Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Church, let's stand together as we continue to worship. As we put Jesus first in our lives. We sing, we're returning to repentance.
I feel that maybe I've spent too much of my personal time uh, devoted to something that man created, uh, football, uh, and specifically the NFL. So I'm gonna be really getting in the Word a lot more uh, than I have been in recent years. And man, boy, the Cowboys just so bad. It's just so, it's just so awful. It's bad. No, Giants fans, I know it's the Giants fans. I mean, it's the Eagles fans that should be really upset because you guys didn't do so well either. But I'm no hater, I'm no hater, but I, I, I give you a hard time for it all the time, so I had to say it out loud. We, we were pretty bad. Well, you know, next week is Vision Sunday, and um, I just believe that Vision Sunday is one of the most important days in our church. I love Heart for the House because it's the day we get to celebrate uh, all that God has done and kind of look forward to projects that we work on together. But Vision Sunday is about that. It's about instilling vision in you for your life and for your family. I think today's final part of Jesus First, Jesus Always is a little bit of a precursor to Vision Sunday. I believe today can light a fire in you, almost unlike any other message I know of to preach. Uh, the way that we're gonna close this, first of all, come to Vision Sunday. This is a day to invite people. This is a day to tell someone, hey, this is the week for you to come really hear the heart of what we're about. It'll fire you up, it'll try. Maybe you know people in your life that are just kind of stagnant, not moving forward in some area of their life. This is the way to say, hey, you need to be in church. You need to come check out what God has to say. Next week is gonna be incredible. But today I do believe is a way to jumpstart the whole process. And I am praying in Jesus' name that this is not just a message today. I'm praying that this is a tr truly transformational message that no matter who you are, no matter what your experience with God is, no matter the maturity level you have, whether you're super mature in Christ or barely even know the Lord, that you would walk out of here with a completely different mentality about your life and why you were put on this earth. I believe the power of the verse that we're gonna get into is so great that it has the ability to truly be transformative for somebody that listens to it with an open heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna do that work in you today. So I set the bar pretty high, right, for what I'm expecting. I'm expecting something huge. And I believe that God has already showed up here today. And I believe he's just getting started, right? So I'm excited uh, today, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be talking from Romans chapter eight, verses 28 through 29, which I, I believe is one of the most incredible uh, verses in the entire Bible. It says this, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined, he also called and those he called, he also justified and those he justified, he also glorified. I'm gonna be talking to you today in part three. We've done kind of a fresh take on the Jesus first, Jesus always concept uh, in, in this series, a three-part series. I'm gonna be finishing it today. Uh, and today I'm gonna be talking about Touch the Icon. It's one of the most important parts of, of the book, but that's my message today. So Father, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would continue to do what only you can do in our hearts. We can hear profound things, or we can hear your word. Uh, we can hear messages that are, are wonderfully crafted, but Lord, unless your Holy Spirit is in our heart, inspiring us, Lord, and motivating us to change from the inside out, none of it makes a difference. So we ask in Jesus' name that our hearts would be tender 
Lord, toward what you have to say and that you would do the work that only you can do through your miraculous word. Let hearts and lives be changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, uh, I, I've been driving for a long time. Uh, I, I got my driver's license when I was 15 years old. That was 1987. And um, my first car was a 1984 Thunderbird. Uh, and a lot of you kids are like, what is that? Yeah, I don't, they don't even make that anymore. But it was a 1984 Thunderbird. And my dad hooked me up, man. My car, it wasn't a brand new car. I think it was like a year or so old. Uh, but it had black rims. Uh, it had a, he went and bought these Sony uh, speakers that were in the back with like subs in there. So I had like this fire sound system. Now, I mean, I listened to like Christopher Cross sailing, like smooth, like, you know, like yacht rock in there. So it wasn't like I'm driving around like, boom, boom, boom. you know, it, it was like the most uncool thing to all my friends. I love the music, but my, I, the sound system, like my car was hooked up and I loved my car. It was just so fun. We lived, I don't know if you know this, but I went to St. Cloud High School uh, from the time we moved here in 1980, uh, the 85-86 school year, 80, sorry, 86-87 school year. Uh, I went to St. Cloud High School. We lived in St. Cloud at the beginning, but then we moved to uh, Pleasant Hill Road uh, where my parents built a house out there, but I continued to go to St. Cloud High School. When I got my car, I used to drive every day to, uh, to school, and that's when, that's when John Young was like a two-lane. It, it, was, it was really, I mean, it's bad now, but it was even worse back then. But I used to love being in my car. And I, to me, my car was like, it was like my, I used to write in my car. I used to write songs. I used to pray. I used to, uh, you know, just come up with ideas. It's just, it was like my little sanctuary. It's like the, the place I felt safe. I remember one day I was driving in my car. And I was that guy too, that like when I had my car, when I first had my car, I don't know if anyone has ever got a new car, but have you ever noticed that when you get a new car, like if there's even a tiny smudge on your car, like, I mean, like the smallest little smudge, you're like, <gasps> like you go up to, you're like, <gasps> you know, you, 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 and, and you wipe it off. And then when you go to a parking lot, you make sure that you kind of take up two spaces. You, you know, those jerks that do that, like they take two spaces, they park a little bit sideways. Isn't it funny after you've had your car for a few months that you're like, eh. I'll fit in the compact car section. It's fine. Uh, no one will die. Yeah, you're parking in motorcycle spots. It's like you don't care anymore. Uh, but anyways, my car to me was very important. So anyways, one day I'm driving my car, and I get up to like 35 miles an hour or so, and, and the front of my car starts shaking. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I slow down to like around 33, and everything's fine. But then I speed back up, and... And then I'm like, holy cow, so being the, you know, have, using the scientific method like I do, I exceed 35 miles an hour, and I go around 37, it stops. It's only on that particular miles per hour right in that area that my car would start to shake. So I was like, that is the strangest thing, but I never told my dad, I never told anyone. I just, in my young mind, I was like, well, I just won't go 35. Like, I'll just, you know, I, I, it's like, that's the answer. The answer is don't ever go 35. So I drove my car for the longest time, forever. And, and, and like, when I went, so anyways, I, one day I finally went to my, I was like, Dad, my car's broken. I don't know a lot about cars. At that time, I knew very, almost nothing about cars. I was like, my car's broken. Like, we need to get a new one. He's like, well, why? I said, well, every time I go, you know, 35 miles an hour, the, you know, the, the wheel shake, he's like, well, it's not broken. It's, it's just misaligned. He's like, you need to have it aligned properly 
And all we did was just take it to the shop. Someone aligned it, and it never made that sound again. And isn't it interesting that in our lives, we go through life experiencing difficulties and challenges and problems that begin to reoccur within a pattern in our life, but rather than get to the heart of the problem, we learn to work around it. And I think it's an analogy for us as people that there are many things that don't work about life and that are really wrong on the inside and need to be fixed. But sometimes it's too difficult for us to fix the problem. Why? Because we don't want to look inside. We don't want to admit that maybe there's something fundamentally wrong with the way we think about life or the behaviors, or the attitudes, or the actions that we've kind of entrenched in our life and our belief systems and may need to be addressed. And, and, and so we live a makeshift life. In many different ways, we learn how to work with what we've got rather than trying to get to the heart of the problem. And when it comes to our purpose in life, why we're here, why we're alive, why we're born, the kinds of life, lives that God wants us to live, we don't spend a lot of time wrestling with big questions like that. When that should be the first thing that we think about before we move on to anything else in life. So I think that you can never truly unleash the potential of something unless you analyze the purpose for which it was created. Now, when I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about you know, starting out as being a musician, and um, as I got more into music, I now have lots of synthesizers that are th these very sophisticated machines that have oscillators and low-frequency oscillators and, and filters and all these different things. There are these electronic sounds that are created and by putting one oscillator into another oscillator and modulating it and changing it, all the sounds that you hear on the radio are created by these weird electric and electronic sounds that are, are created from very basic tones. Now, I have some synthesizers that have 100 knobs on them. I have synthesizers that when you click a certain button and you hold it in, in correlation with another button, it, it presents a submenu that can only access certain features of it that are not visible through a screen. You can only access it by pressing a combination of buttons that enter a submenu where then you can create a completely different sound that couldn't be created unless you knew the submenu, but the only way for you to find the submenu is to read the manual. You can't accidentally find the submenu. So the gorgeous, beautiful sounds that you hear on all these amazing hit records are created because somebody understood the functionality that was designed by the creator of that thing. Now, yeah, I could sit a coffee mug on a synthesizer and say, this is great, this is my new table, but that's not what it was created for. Sure, it could support it, but would I be using that thing for the specific purpose that it was created? Or would I be leaving potential, untapped potential, forever there by just sitting a coffee mug on there? I would be leaving untapped potential. It wouldn't be why the creator made it. Now, I believe that if you're going to unleash the potential of something, you have to know it's your purpose. And for you, your purpose is your destiny. And I think one of the problems that we encounter as people is confusing fate with destiny. Sometimes uh, people, and, and there's a thing called fatalism, where people kind of have this belief system that anything that happens was supposed to happen. Uh, that's really not a biblical idea. Uh, if you get off into a sinful lifestyle and things begin to happen as a consequence of that sin, that doesn't mean it was supposed to happen. 
That's why that God has a good, perfect, and acceptable will that, that is pretty clearly laid out in the Bible. We have some level of interaction and cooperation when achieving the perfect will of God. So I think it's a, a poor attitude and an, an incorrect belief system to say, oh, well, if something happens, then it's destiny. No, destiny is what God has laid out in front of us and it's what he created for us in advance for us to have the full purpose he was created. And it takes a great deal of cooperation. Look at someone next to you and say, you have to cooperate to have God's destiny in your life. So don't, don't, don't believe in fate. Don't believe in fate, but do believe in destiny. But if you believe in biblical destiny, the Bible says less about destiny than you would, you would think. I, I know the scriptures that it uses when it's talking about destiny. And I think in order to know what destiny is, according to the Bible, you can create your own definition and say, oh, this is destiny. It, it's not biblical destiny. It might be destiny to you. But in order to have to understand biblical destiny, you have to understand the will of God. And some of the things I'm alluding to right now are referring to the will of God when we think of the will of God, there's something called the decretive will of God. And if I am a sovereign king and I have full power to make any decision I want, I decree something. I say everyone will wear cowboys gear all the time. They will wear cowboys hats every day. And it, aren't you glad I'm not a sovereign king? Uh, if whatever the king says, <laughs> it has to be done. There is no conversation. No one sits there and talks about, is this a good idea? It just happens. The king says it and it happens. In the same way, what God decrees, there's an element of his will that when he decrees it, it has nothing to do with human cooperation. It has to do with what he decrees. So that is an element of the will of God. But then when it comes to our life, there is something called the preceptive will of God. A precept is a tenant or an important foundation of something. The precepts are the principles that something represents. So my, if I have precepts, we have precepts in our you know, leadership culture here at City of Life. We call it FUSE, fervency, unity, service, uh, excellence, and everything we do. So those are some of the precepts of our leadership at City of Life. They're foundational ideas. When it comes to the precepts of God, the precepts of God are his word. It's his moral law. It is the, it's the, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. It's the principles of, that Jesus taught in the New Testament, the principles that we're supposed to live by. So when it comes to the preceptive will of God, we have the ability to disobey his precepts. We do not have the right, but we have the ability. Now, many of us wonder, well, why didn't he just give us the inability? Well, because that wouldn't be the way he created us. He created us with an independent will, moral free agents, able to say, if you look at his angels, he already did that with the angels. He could have created a bunch of people that just did, you know, of beings that served him and did exactly what he said. But no, Lucifer convinced one third of the angels that he was more important than God. And that is the way God creates sentient beings in his image or similar to his image like, I mean, human beings are created completely in his image. Angels are similar in some ways, but not the way we are. Jesus didn't come to redeem the angels. He came to redeem humanity. Can somebody say amen? So when it comes to us, he gave us the ability to disobey. 
but not the right. Somebody say, I don't have the right to go against the precepts of God. That's why John chapter 8, verses 31, 32 says, if you continue in my word, what does that mean? Continue to follow in the things of God, to live out his word, not to do it sometimes and not do it sometimes, not to develop a whole sinful way of living over here that you kind of take this sidetrack and you float in and out of being a Christian. No, no, no. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. I like what he's saying there. The word indeed kind of means indeed, like in the deeds you're doing when you're in them and you're doing them. It says, then you shall know the truth. And what's the rest of this? And the truth, that's right. Everyone always leaves that other part. They're like, the truth will set you free. And they basically say this when they mean they caught someone lying. They're like, the truth will set you free. It's like, no, that's not really what that's about. It's about continuing in God's word. If you continue in his word, then you will know what real truth is. Then the truth will set you free. Can someone say amen today? So the preceptive will of God, and you say, well, what, what, how do I do that? Just live a biblical life. Do the things that he says. People stress out all the time about the will of God. They're like, oh, what college should I go to? What should I do? I'm on the right track. I got a degree that I paid for, and it doesn't even mean anything. And people are so worried about their future when really what you should be focusing on is not so much the will of God, but obsessing over the ways of God. When you obsess over the ways of God, you find yourself Smack dab in the middle, can you guess the rest of this? Of his will. When you obsess over his way, come on, if you're alive today and you, and you have any level of experience, you know this is true. When you spend your time following him and knowing him and serving him and worshiping him and living in every way, witnessing for him, what do you do? You turn around and you go, whoa. I'm in his will. And that might mean it's changing my opinion about my career. That might mean it's even furthering the conviction I had to begin this career. I want to be even more committed to it because now that I'm obsessed with his ways, you always find the will of God in the ways of God. Are you in his will? It's very simple. Ask yourself, are you in his ways? If you are not in his ways, you are not in his will. If you are not in the ways of God, you are not in the will of God. You say, well, it's such a unique opportunity I have. I can't just walk away from all the, oh, get in his ways. You would much rather be in the ways of God in a situation that doesn't look so good from the outside than to be in what you think is his will, but really is your glorified will but not living in his ways. Say this out loud. Say, I love, I love the, ways of God. the ways of God. You say, what am I doing? It Faking it till I make it? I don't know. Just say it again. Say, I love, I love the, ways of God. the ways of God. Oh, man, it's wonderful. There's nothing more wonderful. You guys may have heard me tell this story. My, my wife loves this story uh, because I'm making fun of like my ex-girlfriend from when I was like 19 years old or something like that. But um, the, she, I, I had this, I was dating this girl who was from the, the, the South and uh, she was, you know, we were talking one time, she worked for Disney. You may have heard me tell this, but it's, it's kind of a funny way to explain the ways in the will. 
And, and she was having this conversation with me, and she said, I heard at work that they are building a Disney World in France. I said, oh, yeah, I read that. That's, that's great. I said, yeah, they're building it in Paris. She goes, no. I heard they're building it in France. I go, oh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I read the same article, but what I'm saying is that specifically they're going to build it in Paris. She goes, I don't think you're hearing me. I heard they're not building it in Paris. They're, they're building it in France. So at this point, I had an opportunity <laughs> to say what I wanted to say or to say what I ended up saying. What I ended up saying was, that's great. <laughs> but what I wanted to say was, hey, Paris is in France. I know they're building it in France. What I read is that specifically they're building it in Paris. Because Paris, say it with me, is in France. And if you are in the ways of God, you are in the will of God because the will of God is found in the ways of God. The will of God is always found in the ways of God. You say, well, what are you trying to tell me today? I read this book. I've, I remember this. Well, I've, I've heard this before. Really? Are you living this? Are you? I mean, we're up here. He is our obsession. Yes, I'm obsessed with Jesus. It's great. <laughs> what? Okay, well, if you're obsessed with him, are you obsessed with living in his ways? Really? Because this is the kind of thing that can change everything. Think of Luke 6.40. Peter began to doubt himself while walking on the water. So he gets out of the boat and he begins to do what Jesus is doing. He just simply used faith and said, I can be like the master. It was the moment that he began to doubt that he could be like the master that he began to sink. See, there is a high goal in front of us, a high purpose when we wake up every day, and it's to look like Jesus. It's to act like Jesus. It's to be a representation of Jesus. Be like Jesus. That's it. That is your purpose. Somebody say, I want to be like Jesus. Listen, if you want to unleash your potential, you are this complicated synthesizer that is, made, that is created to make the most gorgeous, beautiful, amazing sounds imaginable. Stop putting a coffee mug on something that's a masterpiece. Believe that God has called you. And yes, many of those things are complicated. And we say, well, what is the submenu in my life that you're talking about? There are certain spiritual principles that you will never unlock the door. that are keys to parts of your destiny that will never be unlocked unless you get this simple idea. You want to unleash your potential. Be like Jesus. Now, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29 
When, when this says, for we know, now when you're, I'm talking about people that begin to be obsessed with looking like and living like Jesus. You say, well, how do I do that? Just do it in your school. Just do it in your classroom. Just do it in your work. Just do it in your job. Just say, I'm going to be the person that looks like Jesus. You say, well, well, I just, I work at a convenience store. Be the person that looks like Jesus at that convenience store. You say, well, I'm a doctor. Be the one doctor at your hospital that looks like and acts like Jesus. You say, well, I'm, I'm just really not, I don't even have nothing going on. I don't have no job. Be the one person that looks like Jesus that doesn't have anything going on. Hey, let me just tell you something. This is a destiny. This is purpose at its highest level. What I'm trying to tell you is stop getting your eyes on people that have millions of followers that don't look like Jesus. Oh, they're an influencer, all right. They're influencing people to hell. I got news for you. You are an influencer. Even if you've got zero followers, you are an influencer. You influence somebody toward the spirit of Christ every day or not. Somebody say, I'm an influencer. You are an influencer. Now, when we look at this passage of scripture, it starts out, it's amazing. It says, and we know. I love scriptures that talk about and we like this because you say, well, is it inclusive? It is if you know Jesus. If not, he ain't talking to you. It's, it's only inclusive of those who have said yes back to Christ. He said yes to us. Now we must say yes to him and get in alignment and partnership with him. So this does not apply to all people. He is talking to Christians. Raise your hand in the air if you're a Christian today. If you're online, type in the chat. Say, I'm a Christian. Let somebody know. You're a Christian. If that's true, then this is for you. It says, and we know, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do you love him? Come on, do you love him today? How do you know you love him? Do you live like him? Does what matters to him matter to you? Do you reflect him in everything you do? These are ways that we're living in the truth. We can know it by whether or not we're obsessed with his ways. Do you really love him or you just say you love him? There's a lot of people that say, I love you to my wife, and they go sleep with someone else the next night. Do we do that with Jesus? Do we say, I love you to Jesus on Sunday morning, and the next day we're living a different kind of life? You can know you love somebody by what you're willing to sacrifice for them. That's what real love is. You say, well, how do you know this? God so loved the world that he gave. What you are willing to sacrifice determines the level of love that you have for whatever it is that you claim to love. So in your life, what are you giving to Jesus every day? What are you sacrificing to Jesus? How are you demonstrating this love? Because it says we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who are called. I don't know how you feel about parties, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, sometimes when I'm in big social settings, I really have to let my gifts kick in because I do like being alone. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I like being creative. I like being by myself. When I, I love the people that are, I'm close to. 
I want to hang out with them. I want to be with them. But sometimes when I get in big settings and I just have tons of people around, I just have to let the Lord flow through me. But isn't it interesting, uh, the feeling of being invited to a special event? Isn't that an honorable feeling? Like, by the way, I just want you to know, Southern Gospel just got nominated for uh, a, one, of, one of these award shows, and we got sent this special invitation to come to this award show in Nashville for Christian films, like one of the best Christian films of 2023. This is really cool. And so when I got this invitation to come, I felt very honored. I was like, wow, this is incredible. I got an invitation. But let me ask you something. Have you ever not been invited to something? Isn't that a weird feeling when everyone else is invited to something that you're not invited to? And then maybe they find out about it. They're like, oh, I heard you were upset that you didn't get invited. Please come. You're like, no, I can't come. I have something else. I just want to be invited. I didn't want to come. I want to be invited. <laughs> so we know that in all things, all things we're together for the good of those that love him who are called. This word called is the Greek word kletos. And kletos is to send an invitation. It's, it's to be invited formally invited to something. All things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called. Somebody raise your hand in the air and say, I have been invited. You have been invited by God. Who have been called according to his purpose. You have been called, kletos, and that word kletos also has another meaning, which sort of means ordained. It means given the authority to do something, that God has given you with authority according to his purpose. What is the word purpose? Well, it's the Greek word prothesis. What is a thesis? A thesis is like a dissertation. It's an idea that you defend. Pro means something that's in advance. It means that you are Kletos called according to his prothesis his purpose that he created in advance for you to have. You have been, so you're sitting around and you say, I have nothing going on. No, you got a gold embossed invitation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's sitting right at your doorstep today. Do you want to open it? Because you've been called according to his, somebody said, according to his what? To his purpose. Oh man, think about how huge that is. To his purpose, his prothesis. It says, for those that God foreknew, this is the word prognosco. And so that word prognosco, if you've ever heard someone say, I'm gonna prognosticate the weather, weathermen use this term on a regular basis, what it is to know something in advance. So it says, for those that God foreknew, that concept alone theologically should set us free. Why? That means he knows what a jerk I am and he still loves me. He knows every mistake that I would ever make and he still died for me. It says, it says for those that God foreknew, he, all, he also predestined, this word pro-arizo, predestined, arizo is not only purpose, but it's something that has fully been established in advance. That arizo sounds like horizon, it's the word that's in horizon. How many people know you don't wake up to a different horizon every day? It's the same horizon. It is preset. 
It says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined, predetermined in your life for your life to look a certain way. That is the biblical definition of destiny. There is no other one. That word is the only word that is in the Bible about destiny, that pro-arizo, that pro-horizon, that in advance, mapping out the boundaries, setting it. Your destiny is this. And if you think it's to be a lawyer or a doctor or a financial planner or, you know, in the military or an influencer or a pastor, if you think that that is your destiny, you do not understand the biblical concept of destiny. You are mistaking your vocation for your destiny. And that is a massive mistake. That's why so many people are lost and don't know what they're doing. If you're mistaking the spouse that you're sitting next to as your destiny, you've messed, you've messed up already. You're going to feel disappointed in them. You're going to feel disappointed in yourself. You're going to feel like, well, my life doesn't look like the notebook. No, no one's does. I mean, you're going you're gonna to be really disillusioned. If you mistake your vocation or your marriage or your spouse, you have a singular destiny according to the Bible. It says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. That's the Greek word, "sumorphos." I talked about it a couple weeks ago about pouring the, the water into the ice cube mold where something begins to transform and look like that mold. When I was little, I had a, I had a GI Joe toy. It wasn't a doll. <laughs> it was gigantic. It's back when they were huge. This is like in the 70s. But they shrunk them in the 80s. But I had the, I had the, huge, the huge one. I had a G.I. Joe, Joe toy. And what's crazy is that my friend had one. And I'll never forget, I saw his toy one day. I go, oh my God, mine looks exactly the same. I could not believe it. I thought all of them were different. But they looked identical. Why do they look identical? Because they're all pressed the same way. There's a mold. It fits into the mold. Every one of them should look like the mold that it was created to look like. And in the same way, that word says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. I got news for you, conforming is hard. You gotta be pliable to be conformed. You gotta be willing to get melted (laughs) to conform. That means melting a lot of preconceived ideas, melting a lot of dreams, melting a lot of bad belief systems that our destiny, you say, well, what is my destiny? Get to it, get to it, I am. Your destiny, according to the Bible, is to be conformed, somorphos, to the image of Christ. That word image is econ, E-I-K-O-N. If you pronounce that E with an I, you get the word icon. It's the same exact word as icon in Greek that our very destiny in life is to be transformed into the icon. When you walk in City of Life, you see the little logo, right? It's got the little buildings on it. What is that? That's an icon of City of Life. You recognize that. You say, oh, that's City of Life. That's the icon. In the same way, when you open up your phone, you've got several little icons that are on there. You know, remember the little bird? Twitter doesn't even exist anymore. Remember the little bird? You touch the bird, you're on Twitter. Like everyone knows what an icon looks like. And literally they're called icons. They're on your phone. And what happens is when you touch the icon, 
it opens up the application that the developer created for you to be able to access everything that is inside of the application. Literally, the, you say, well, what are you telling me? I'm starting to kind of figure it out a little bit. I'm telling you that according to the Bible, your destiny, the reason that you were put on this planet was to be transformed into the icon of Jesus. That the purpose that you were made for, the reason that Jesus came to this planet, the reason that you wake up every day is literally to become an icon. I love movies. And I'm, yeah, I'm 51 years old, so I'm a little, some of you guys are not gonna know this, but one of my favorite actors is Clint Eastwood. He's a very old actor. I think he's in his 90s now. But to me, growing up, Clint Eastwood was an icon of the movie industry. If you wanted to understand the movie industry, just look at Clint Eastwood. He's a producer, he's an actor, he's a writer, he's a director. He's, I mean, he did everything. He has the squint, you know, he's amazing. And if you wanna know about the industry from back then, just look into his life, because just knowing him will teach you about the industry in the same way. We are called to be the icon of Jesus Christ, that people everywhere that need to know Jesus bump into us. What do they do? They bump into the spirit of Christ in us, and they do it everywhere, no matter where they are, no matter what our job is. It's not about us getting a better job or making more money. It's about none of that. And what's amazing about that is it completely throws out the idea of plan A, plan B, which is it's really not even a biblical concept either. This is the concept. Now, it's not even a concept, it's a clear scripture. I just told you the Greek behind every single word in that passage of scripture. This is not my take on it, this is what the Bible says about destiny, that our purpose is to be the icon of Christ. It says, so that he may be the firstborn, who is he, Jesus, may be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. It means that we become a part of a spiritual family that leads everyone to Christ in everything we do. Somebody say, my destiny is to look like Jesus today. Okay, somebody say, it starts right now. I want you to remember what we just said because that is what you need to say to yourself every time you walk out the door. Every time you drive up into a parking spot and get out of your car, say out loud, say, my destiny is to look, well, I mean, you can keep repeating it if you like, but I'm just saying, I'm just telling you in the few, it's gonna get, the service is gonna last a long time if we keep repeating, <laughs> but I'm kidding. But it's, it's to pull in a parking spot, no matter where you are, say it to yourself when you get there. Say, my destiny is to look like Jesus, to be an icon of Jesus in this meeting. And then you get in that meeting and someone starts, cutting you off and saying things that are not true. Can you, excuse me for a second. You walk out of the room, you go in the bathroom, you say, my destiny is to be an icon of Jesus in this me. Yeah, you gotta remind yourself over and over and over again sometimes, but you realize that the whole purpose of you being there is to look like Jesus. And what's so amazing about that is when you start living in your destiny, then it becomes a matter of your gifts. You say, well, what about the doctor thing? What about the filmmaker thing or the pastor thing or, or you know, the, the, the nurse or the mom or the or, or whatever, the school teacher, should, which one should I do? That all has to do with your gifts. That all has to do with what you wanna do when you're in the ways of God. It has to do with questions like, are you willing to pay the price to be a doctor? Are you willing to pay a price to build a successful uh, YouTube channel? 
Are you willing to pay the price to go to Bible school and to learn about the things of God, to become a minister? Are you willing, if you're in the ways of God, he's gonna give you a yes in so many areas. It really becomes about, are you, are you gifted to do it? You say, well, I wanna be in the NBA. Well, you're four seven. You're saying, but my mom told me I can do anything. She lied to you. Don't get offended, get real. I mean, like 1% of all athletes, less than one, I think it's one-tenth of 1% of all people that play sports growing up. One-tenth of 1% will ever even come close to being a professional athlete. That's not saying stop. Yes, there are people that will excel in that area, but my point is, analyze your gifts. Get people around you. Find out what price you're willing to pay to get to the next level. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is staying in the ways of God. Staying in the ways of God to get yourself in the will of God. Then you can determine all the other things afterwards, but don't get it backwards. Don't get it messed up. Have your, so what I love about this sermon, the reason I feel it's transformational is, is I want you to focus on what I'm about to say. Is it means in every way, this scripture means in every way, you can have your full and complete destiny today. It means you don't have to go to a conference. You don't have to read an entire book. You don't have to transform yourself in any way. You can live your full and complete destiny starting right now for the rest of the day when you choose today to be like Jesus. You have fulfilled the purpose that God created you for. Every day as you continue to walk in his ways and his will, you become more like him. You get a greater under, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Yes, new things come. He begins to add things to your life. If you're faithful over a few, he'll make you rule over much. All that stuff still applies, but it has to start from the place of understanding that your purpose is to look like Jesus. Jesus first, Jesus always. Come on. He's good today. And in closing, I will say this. I think one of the reasons that idolatry is so easy for us to get into creating a God that we customize is, listen, the reason that's the first three commandments is don't do that. The reason it's so easy to do it is we want to somorphose God, to transform God into our image. Why? Because that's the opposite of our destiny. Our destiny is to be transformed and conformed into his image. But we're constantly wanting to change him into ours. Why? Because it's the opposite of our destiny. Just look like Jesus. You say, what does that look like? Talk like him, act like him, walk like him, dress like him, go where he goes, do what he would do, say what he would say. You say, well, I don't know it all. Learn about it. Grow in the things of God. But let this be a foundational idea that you build your faith off of. This scripture is so powerful. I encourage you, go home and read it. Romans chapter 8, verses 28, 29, 30. That whole passage, is the whole Romans 8 is unbelievable. Study it yourself. Grow in these things. Let it be a foundational principle of your faith to grow to be the kind of mature Christian that God has called you. And from this, oh my gosh, from this, I believe the greatest business ideas, the greatest financial prosperity, the greatest leaders the church has ever imagined.
imagine can come from this idea when people say, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to look like Jesus. It has to start from there. So my question to you is, who's willing to do that today? Is Who in this room is willing to say, I want to step out and look like Jesus in everything I do? Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus personally right now. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to pray a brief prayer. And if you're here in this room and you say, I've never done that. I have never tried to conform my life to look like Christ, but I am tired of chasing things that disappoint me. I am tired of constantly feeling like a failure. I'm tired of constantly being confused over what the will of God for my life is. I'm ready to know my purpose, which is to look like Jesus. And I wanna do that by asking Jesus to transform my heart be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you and you're watching online or in this room, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand high above your head. Even those that are watching online, I believe that's a great point of contact, something actionable to just say, hey, I want to change in my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord over, over everything that I do. Also, those that are watching online, I'll ask you that on three, after you've lifted your hand, to type in the chat, I need Jesus in my life. Type that out so our team can see that you've typed that and can connect with you. In this room, I'll ask you on three to lift your hands straight over your head. On three, one, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here today has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the room if you need Jesus to be the Lord. My goodness, that is so many people, so many people. That's dozens of people in this room. Truly, truly incredible. Thank you so much for responding to the Lord. I believe many are lifting their hands online as well. God loves you. He cares for you. He sent his son to die for you. And we're going to pray this prayer together and put our faith in Jesus. Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be my savior. I can't save myself. Be my Lord. I need to be under your authority. Transform my heart so that I can look like you in everything I do. Teach me to walk in your ways. And I know that when I'm in your ways, I'm truly in your will, and I trust you with my future. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and raising again from the dead so I could have eternal life. I get to fulfill my destiny today because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give God a great praise? I can't wait to see you next Sunday on Vision Sunday. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.